The Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by our friends at Main Street Pharmacy. Located right on Main Street in Blacksburg, Virginia, Main Street Pharmacy is proudly owned by a Hokie family and has been a partner of this podcast since 2020. MSP offers free delivery, curbside pickup, and vaccinations as well. If you are a student or resident in the Blacksburg area, you can always trust that at Main Street Pharmacy, you are not just a number, you are a neighbor. and girls, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, sons and daughters of Saturday, we are back with another one for you. And guys, I got to tell you, this one, this one is exciting. This week, I mean, and, and, and that's not to downplay last week's episode with Oscar Bradburn or Oscar Bradburn, however you however you want to look at that. Pat and Bill, you crushed it. I'm bummed I couldn't be there or be a part of that, but it was awesome. This week, though, we have with us the director of recruiting for Virginia Tech football, Mr. John Yetzi. And you know what? John is here with us right now. John, you were just saying something a second ago. What were you uh, what were you telling Pat, Bill and I? What's up, boys? Yeah, I was saying I'm John Yetzi, and I'm a son of Saturday. Yes, sir. (laughs) The sons. (laughs) Seriously, guys, appreciate y'all having me on. You know, all three of us are friends individually, collectively. So, um, you know, glad you guys had me on. Thanks for having me on. Love what you guys have been doing. Absolutely, man. Pat, I'm going to pass it to you. I know you have. uh, You're you're going to kind of kick this thing off, man. So why don't you just go ahead? John, so happy for you to be joining us here uh, this evening, recording on Sunday night. Want to uh, kind of understand your background a little bit, because you're a Virginia Tech alumni. You, you've been bleeding orange and maroon your entire life. You know, both your parents are alumni. You're, you're 804 Richmond guy. Tell us your story. I, I want to hear, you know, growing up in Richmond, I want to hear your experience at Tech. I want to hear, why are you in the position that you are today and what fuels you every single day. Just give us a story. Yeah, so born in Richmond, grew up in Richmond, both my parents' class in 1985. Uh, Only wanted to go to Virginia Tech my entire life. So grew up playing baseball and thought that maybe there was a chance that I'd be a baseball player in college. But when it came down to it, um, I wasn't good enough to play at Virginia Tech, and all I wanted to do was go to school at Virginia Tech. Uh, So, you know, my parents went to Virginia Tech. I graduated 2015. My little sister graduated 2017. I have another sister that's a sophomore uh, right now. So I've been a Hokie really my entire life. So graduated 2015. Tell me about your the kind of like the direction of your career because you've been within the uh, recruiting umbrella for a while now. So actually, it really started with the Miami game in 2005. So, you know, <laughs> we're number three. They're number five. Uh, game days there. It's really the last big game that I actually didn't get to be in attendance for. I had an AU baseball tournament that morning. I get home, get in front of the TV, all ready to go. Marcus is going to lead us over Miami. We're going to jump Texas in the polls. We're going to go beat USC in the national title, get payback for the game the year before. Uh, Obviously, that didn't work out. We got our ass beat by Miami, and I'm sitting there in tears on my couch. Mm. 13-year-old me is in tears on my couch uh, after we lost (laughs) – to Miami and my dad says essentially stop being a baby like you have no control over this 
stop being a baby. Uh, and so me being all defiant 13 year old me that I was said, well, fine, one day I am going to have control over this. Like one day I am going to make us better. Like we're going to, I'm going to make us go play for the national title. Like I am going to have control over this. I so this. stormed up to my room and that was just obviously a very, very sad time. Flash forward a couple years later, I read this book uh, by Bruce Feldman. I'm sure some people are familiar with it. It's called Meat Market. And he basically spent the entire year with Ole Miss when Ed Orgeron was there. And it really kind of talked in depth about the recruiting process, some of the stuff they were doing. It was kind of a behind-the-scenes look into college football that had never really happened before. So mind you, I'm about 16, 17 years old, years old at the time. I'm not playing football, but I love Virginia Tech football. I'm on Hokie Haven. I'm on Tech Sideline. I'm on the message boards all the time following recruiting. But I get this weird notion in my head that I'm one day going to be the general manager for Virginia Tech football. And I know that that position doesn't exist. And at the time, it didn't exist. But I had read, it was either a Stuart Mandel or Bruce Feldman article around the same time that said he thought one day there was going to be general managers in college football. So I wrote it down on my goal list that like this was what I wanted to become. I wanted to find a way to make that happen. So 2011, I start school at Virginia Tech. I'm actually working uh, with a buddy of mine's older brother at a baseball agency. Uh, he had started his own baseball agency after he graduated from Pepperdine and Alabama Law School. And I had played baseball pretty competitively growing up. And I had a bunch of friends that were either playing in the SEC or ACC or were getting drafted. And so he called me up and said, hey, I know you're not doing anything, you know, relatively not doing anything in college. Would you be willing to help me out and try and kick off this agency that I'm building? So I said, sure. Like he said, I'm not going to pay you any money. You can take it and run with it, do whatever you want with it. Um, here are the restrictions. Here's what you can do. Uh, you know, let's just go see what we can make out of this. So over the course of my first three years at Tech, I was kind of doing that, getting to meet some people and actually helped represent 11 minor league baseball players through the draft process, um, you know, helping them get endorsement deals, uh, stuff like that. None of these guys were worth anything. Like none of them ended up being good players. None of them really were good players. If you actually think about it, an 18, 19 year old with no degree trying to walk into the living room or talk on the phone to kids that are 21 years old, graduates of college or getting ready to play professional baseball. It was kind of hard for me to convince them that I should be their representative. <laughs> uh, so it didn't work out that well. But in the meantime, I got a phone call from a buddy of mine who still is actually associated with the site. Um, Virginia Tech was starting a 24-7 sports page. This was around the spring of 2012. And he said, hey, would you be willing to come write for us? I think we're going to get credentials here soon. Uh, we're not going to be able to pay you like any money. Um, but what you can get is access to the team. You can write about the team. You can write about recruits. You can really make of it whatever you want to make of it. So I said, hell yeah, absolutely, I'm in made a hundred bucks a month and wrote three articles a week. So <laughs> you can picture I was writing about 12 articles a month, making a hundred dollars a month, not a very good return on investment, but I just kind of took it and ran with it. I got to interview and meet all the coaches in football and basketball. My only restriction was that I would never sit in the press box for a football game. I said, never, I did not want to do that. The old press press row in basketball and castle was down on the floor at the time. And, you know, I really wasn't I was going to all the basketball games, but I wasn't really going with my friends. I was just kind of going by myself or maybe with a couple friends. And I was fine with sitting down on the court and just getting to watch the games up close. But the football games like, no, I needed to be in lane like I was not going to be in the press box for that. Um, so I would write stories about the team and I kind of got to meet some of the coaches that way. I, I got to meet Coach Moorhead, Coach Beamer, 
Shane Beamer I'm talking about and uh, Coach Steinspring. And, you know, I came to find out later that they had actually been reading some of my stuff and they appreciated the way that I was kind of covering the team. I uh, got a random phone call one day in the spring heading into my senior year and Coach Steinspring was on the other line and said, hey, John, are you still going to be a student here? I'm like, who is this? You know, what's going on? He said, this is Coach Steinspring. Uh, we got a new AD. He just said we're going to start a recruiting department this summer. Would you want to come be a student recruiting worker for us? Like, hell yeah. And the rest is kind of history. Kind of goes from there. Uh, my first day working as a student worker was July 1st, 2014. That was the first ever official day of the Virginia Tech recruiting department. Wow. So it was me and Chuck Canner. Uh, he was the first ever full-time employee. I was the first ever official student worker. And we kind of built the Virginia Tech recruiting department from scratch. Uh, flash forward. Five, six years later, I'm still here. Um, you know, we hired Thomas Geary three weeks after that, and he started, and it just was kind of us. Uh, we had two other guys, Marcus Haskett and Nathan DiGregorio. Nathan actually now works for the Cardinals. Marcus works up at Penn State. Uh, they both were, were student workers with me, and the five of us just kind of did everything. Uh, started it from the ground floor up. I, I don't sell yourself short here. I just just to chime in, I, when I started do when I I came in in 2014 and I saw how hard you guys worked and I was always like, you know, the coaches work hard, this that, but y'all were doing when when you say everything, you guys literally did everything. Can you kind of just to give people some context what you were doing from day to day? I mean, it went from as hosting recruits, making the graphics for the recruits. I mean, you literally just kind of give them the laundry list of things that you would have to do back in 2014 as you were starting this department. Yeah, so I basically <laughs> gave up my senior year um, to work in recruiting at Virginia Tech. You know, every single night I was there till 10, 11 o'clock at night. Uh, we were stuffing all the envelopes. We were inputting all the information into the database. Every time a recruit was on campus, um, you know, it was between me, Chuck, Thomas, Marcus, Nathan. We were walking the kids around, showing them Virginia Tech, you know, getting lunch with them all that stuff on game days as you can imagine when there's only five of us you know now we at least have some more student workers we have some more people in the office you can help kind of the flow of traffic it was just the five of us getting everybody into <laughs> into the merriman center and checked in because you know our staff stays in roanoke the night before games and so we would always obviously be the first kind of people that they would meet when they got to the facility so the initial thing that i kind of did to create value for myself is i already followed recruiting uh, as intensely as you could. Like I was a guy that posted on the message board all the time. Like I knew about all the recruits that we were recruiting, or at least I thought I did. I thought I knew about recruiting. Um, so what I did to kind of create value in the early going was I memorized all the faces of all the recruits that uh, we were going to have on campus for any single event. And I would memorize and remember things about them. So I was always the first person that they saw um, there was somebody that was greeting him at the front door that knew his name, knew where he was from, knew some information about him. That's kind of how I tried to create value in the early going. But yeah, Bill, you're right. Like we were literally doing everything, like every single thing in the recruiting department. John. So, I mean, you said that was 2014. I mean, that's, that's been six years since, since then. How has the department changed since those moments how has it grown what has gone into it what's been added can you can you kind of speak on that a little bit yep so it's kind of been a slow steady growth and development um we haven't really added per se a bunch of new full-time positions uh in january of 2015 that year we added a graduate assistant whose name was tyler mcintyre and he spent the first three months there as the ga and then he left 
actually coincided the day after graduation. Um, he left to go take a job at App State, which was his alma mater. So we had a GA position available. Um, and Chuck at the time, you know, it was Chuck and Thomas. And Thomas mostly did graphics. Uh, Chuck mostly tried to do everything else. Um, Chuck really wanted us to hire a GA that was good with graphics in that position to replace Tyler. Um, he wanted to keep me around, but there was really nothing for me. Like they couldn't create a position. There wasn't anything to do. So he told me, he said, you have one week. To teach yourself how to learn how to do Photoshop and graphics that are at an acceptable <laughs> oh, level. Um, and we'll make you the GA. So that was the only position that was available at the time. Like that was the only way that I was going to get paid any sort of money. It was going to be 15 grand for the year plus my master's. But I basically said, okay, I know that I want to work in Virginia Tech football. And the way that it was looking, uh, there weren't going to be positions that were added besides that one uh, that were going to be coming available. So in a week's time, there's this place called Mill Mountain Coffee Shop. Shout out, shameless plug. It's my favorite <laughs> spot. Uh, it would open at 6 and it would close at 10. And so I got there at 6 a.m. and I left when it closed at 10 for seven straight days and taught myself how to do Photoshop. And I went back to Chuck and said, all right, this is what I got. I know that's not great, but I just want you to at least know that I'm trying. Like, I really, really, really want this. And so he hired me as the GA. Um, so it was just the three of us. We had hired a couple additional students uh, to help around the office that last year that Coach Beamer was there. I think it ended up being like five. We hired maybe three more girls. And then there was the two other guys that were still there. Um, so there was about five of us student workers, plus myself as the GA, Thomas and Chuck. And that was for Coach Beamer's last year. And then when Coach Fuente got here, uh, he kept all of us, brought in Matt Transu who was in kind of more of an operations role. And then he brought in Allie the Rock uh, as kind of like she replaced somebody that was kind of like not an administrative role, but did more so like receipts and helped us on game day visits and managed the students, um, did all those sorts of things and helped out some in operations as well. So it was just the five of us. And it has been the five of us in some way, shape or form uh, really until present day. Like you look around the office now, Besides myself getting a full-time job, we have not created any other positions besides that. Um, I remember people were up in arms. They saw Coach Fuente had in his contract the like allocation of money after his first year to add an additional recruiting person. That was actually me. Like That was me. Um, he created that job for me so that I could become a full-time employee um, before my graduate assistantship ran out. Um, and really since then, like, it's just been us kind of repurposing the jobs in different roles. Um, it's been like the five of us to where now it's, it's really me, Mark, uh, D Thorne, um, Zaire is in the role of what like Allie was in the past. Um, we have a graduate assistant, Nash, who does a great job for us. And then we have Zach Lance who does our graphics. Um, the five of us really make up the recruiting department, um, Biggest difference now, Matt Transu was in recruiting. He's now kind of moved over into an operations role. And it's just, we roll. We roll with that. So, John, 2014 is when this recruiting department gets started. And you really, you know, laid this foundation. Can you tell us about, you know, where Virginia Tech stands in recruiting and how the size of our department, as well as the timing of when it got set up, like, how does that compare to a Clemson or a UVA or a, you know, an SEC school, and, you know, I guess where do we go from here? It's uh, it's pretty considerably different. I would say I didn't really know any better, to be completely honest with you, until about a year and a half ago. 
Um, they started this new thing in August. Now that August is the dead period, they started this new thing where everybody in player personnel gets together in Nashville um, right around August 5th or so. And it's kind of our convention, whereas the coaches have their own convention. We now have our own player personnel convention. And so last year, not this past year, but the year before, so I guess that was August 2018, was the first year of the convention. And it was just Mark and I that went from Virginia Tech to the convention. And I roll into the convention, and here come eight people in UVA pullovers rolling deep. There was about 15 people from Florida. Uh, there was about 15 people from Georgia. And I was like, oh, Lord, is there really that many people that are working in recruiting? Um so that was that was kind of the eye opener uh, for me in terms of knowing how many other people are at these other places. Um, you know, we have just strictly from like a recruiting and operations department. There's seven of us. I know that there's 18 at UVA. Um, I know at Florida, I read an article the other day. They were like, yeah, we have nine assistant directors of player personnel responsible for each coach. We have a director of recruiting. She has assistants. All the assistant directors have full-time assistants that are called recruiting assistants. Uh, there's people that work in ops. There's a four-person full-time football-only video department, and there's a three-person full-time football graphics department. And then it said in the article, but we know that compared to like Georgia and LSU, we're significantly behind in terms of personnel. So that was eye-opening, but I yeah, you do everything. You do everything <laughs> you can. I, I always, I always say like you, you've done a lot with and it's gotten better you've done a lot with not as much as other as other programs have to just put it bluntly i think that that you guys have done an excellent job with that and i think the kind of spirit of that room has always been like you said everybody wears multiple hats like something has to get done somebody has to do it, it like it may not be in the job description but you're consistently absorbing uh different responsibilities that may not fall under what you know how to do or what even you are trained to do and um i think just being transparent a huge tip of the cap to you all in that room for making it happen uh day in and day out that has been um absolutely awesome and and something that i kind of want to give you the opportunity to address here is a lot of people go on the twenty four seven site, right? All the all the all the uh, all the all the Twitter people, and then look at the rankings of this twenty twenty class. And 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 being being honest, it's not up to the number that we are typically nope, not at. at not at all. Why is that? There are more factors than just what people think that it is. So can you just kind of how do you explain the the number that we're at for this twenty twenty class to somebody who doesn't know what's going on? Oh, look, I'm not going to make excuses for it, like. To me, uh, and, and Mark, speaking for him as well, every single year uh, when I've done this, I've set out with the goal that we're going to sign a top 20 class. Like, that's my goal. Uh, you look at the metrics. Um, you know, I'm a person that really likes numbers and trying to understand numbers. Uh, I think that there can be nuance to the recruiting rankings discussion, right? Like, while on a micro basis – a kid rated a four-star and a kid rated a two-star, it doesn't matter. There's significantly more factors that go into that person's development and success. It's been proven out time and time again that the schools that consistently get the higher-rated players have been playing for the, for the playoff, have been playing for the national championship. You know, every single team, with the exception of Michigan State, that has played in the college football playoffs since it got created in 2014 has had at least one top 15 recruiting class. Even Washington, you know, they had a, they had a number 15 recruiting class. So we understand what the metrics are that we have to be hitting or that we're striving to hit. Um, 
And we also understand that we did not come close to achieving those this past year. Uh, you know, I'm not going to make excuses. I don't want to make excuses, but I do think there were certainly reasons as to why that was the case. Um, you know, starting really with our transition to me from Chuck to Mark back in April of 2018. So just to give you guys a little context, I know that I've touched on a bunch of different names and talked about some people uh, in positions and in roles in our recruiting department. But, you know, the way that Chuck liked to operate, uh, he liked to do everything himself. So he would write stuff down on his sheets of paper. He would uh, not give anybody else access to the boards, to uh, his notes, to the evaluations that the coaches would give him. Like he just wanted to do everything. He wanted to be in control of everything. And then for everybody else, it was basically, hey, you know, you guys just do what I don't want to do. And you guys go figure out the rest and, and help me do this aspect of it. So in April 2018, the day before the spring evaluation period, which we can kind of talk about the different cycles of what, um, you know, the recruiting calendar looks like in a little bit here. But the day before the spring evaluation period, Chuck left to take a job at Florida. And when he left to take the job at Florida, he left myself, Thomas and Matt, and none of us had really any experience doing a lot of the aspects that he had done because he just had wanted to always do them himself. Like, um, he never wanted any of us to evaluate film. Uh, if there was a recruit on campus, like, we would host those kids if they needed to be hosted. Um, so essentially, the way that our recruiting department operated for a long period of time was in his head and on paper that he then took all with him to Florida. So the day before the spring evaluation period gets started, I get pulled in the coach's office and he basically says, you just have to make this work. Like, we're going to go on the road tomorrow. You have to make this work. And if you guys kind of know the recruiting calendar at all the way that it is nowadays you're recruiting a year and a half in advance mm -hmm. so that spring evaluation period like in 2018 that was when we needed to be finding all of the kids for 2020 right so to me when i think back and, and really delve into the idea and the reason as to why we maybe struggled some i think back to that moment right there when like here i am 25 years old and i get told with no day's notice not only uh, are we going on the road tomorrow and you have to figure out and learn how to plan out a spring evaluation calendar, but now you're running the entire department until we bring somebody else in here. Like, I know you have no experience doing this, but we really don't have any other options. So like, we just have to make it work. And so I just kind of made it work to the best that I could. I think we did a really good job of filling out the rest of the 2019 class. But I think that in that month and a half, we lost something, um, that maybe we weren't as ahead as we would have been otherwise. We aren't as ahead as we are this year. We'll be into the future. Um, so I think it starts first and foremost there. And then you look at all these other reasons uh, as to why it really was the year from hell. Just being, you know, explicitly point blank, quite uh, completely honest, like we did not like the state of Virginia last year. Like to us, there was seven kids in the state of Virginia that we felt like were good enough to play for us. And obviously we didn't do a good enough job of signing those seven kids. Um, but we thought there was only really seven. Like when we're recruiting right now, looking at it from the perspective of, does this kid help us beat Clemson? Like, will he help us beat Clemson now or into the future? Like, maybe he won't help us beat Clemson in two years. But maybe he'll help us beat Clemson in four years. Like, if a kid doesn't fit that, if we don't feel like he can ever have enough upside or reach that potential, like, we're not going to recruit those kids. And we did not feel like there's a lot of kids in our state, in our region, that really fit those classifications like that standard this past recruiting cycle. And then you think about the fact that we only had four seniors and coach Fuente, like he'll tell you, he was very, very 
um, slow and meticulous about the way that he wanted to approach the recruiting cycle uh, this past year. Like he did not want to take a bunch of commitments from kids early. Uh, we turned away a bunch of kids that when you look back on it, we were glad that we turned away a bunch of kids, but there's a bunch of kids that we turned away that wanted to commit to us early that we didn't feel comfortable and confident in. And it ended up kind of slowing down the recruiting process for us. Um, you know, all that being said, we're really excited about the kids that we signed. Like um, that's not a lie. Like we're very excited about the kids that we signed. You look up and down the class and I think there's a bunch of kids with high upside that they get in our development program. Uh, they have the right characteristics, the right kind of mindset. Uh, they come from the right families. Um, that those are kids that have a chance to reach their potential and eventually be the kind of guys that help us beat Clemson. Um, <laughs> you look at like Dorian Strong, kids like Dorian Strong. How does someone like Dorian Strong, who's six one, one hundred seventy pounds, ran a four four eight for us at camp, end up getting no scholarship offers and being very or considered to be a lower rated recruit? Uh, you know. He didn't really focus on football until later in his career. He played behind some kids at a high school that's known for producing high-level FBS players. Didn't really get a chance to shine until his senior year. And then once he committed to us, and we believed in him and he believed in us, the high school coaches and himself kind of prevented any other schools from coming in and recruiting him. So Penn State goes through there. Ohio State goes through there. Maryland goes through there. They're all trying to get the kid to flip to them or asking him if he's interested in being recruited by them, and he's telling them no because we believed in him first. So I think there's a couple instances of that throughout our class. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that we're you know, reaching the standard that we set out for ourselves, um, especially in the state of Virginia last year, but I think we're going to look back in a few years and, and be really excited and happy about a lot of kids that we signed. Yeah, it's a question for you as you kind of um, alluded to this being obviously a, a difficult year, which is completely understandable. Um, I want to ask you what it is like. Um, what is it like to work for Coach Fuente? And I think that we would be, you know, avoiding a, a, a big question that uh, everybody wants to know is what is he like to work for and what has this last these last 30 days been like um, with you know not knowing if he's coming back, having that meeting. And a lot of people, the only kind of insight they had up until the press conference a couple weeks ago was the picture that I, you took the picture, correct, in the, in the, oh, yeah. in the, in the meeting room? Um, Beautiful picture, wasn't it? It was a wonderful picture. Um, I just wanted <laughs> I, I, what was that process like uh, for these last you know, two weeks? I mean, was it a, just go on on that? Well, first thing I would say is I, I think the world of Coach Fuente, like we have a really good relationship. Um, when he first got here, about a month or two after he got hired, he was calling each of us in to kind of meet individually with him. And I was just the GA at the time. And he was kind of having like 15, 20 minutes blocked off to just talk to everybody, get to know them, uh, get to know their story. And him and I ended up talking for three hours. Uh me just being the little recruiting GA, we just talked for three hours about my vision for Virginia Tech, what I thought had happened in the past, what I thought we needed to do better, his vision for Virginia Tech. And, you know, just to be quite honest, like I was a recruiting GA working about 15 to 18 hours a day, making 15 grand a year um, with my degree from Pamplin in finance. And here I am, there's this new guy who's working here that's not Coach Beamer, that's not who I had grown up on. Uh, I was kind of feeling him out as much as I'm sure he was feeling me out. Um, and that's not to say that I'm like special or anything, but at the same time that this was a guy that wasn't all about Virginia tech. 
I didn't want to invest what I felt like I was investing. Uh, I could have gone and made way more money doing something else. Um, so the fact that he spent that much time with me uh, meant a lot to me, and our relationship's only grown and progressed uh, since then. He's the best leader that I've ever been around. Like, I know that some people question his leadership, and frankly, I don't understand why. Being somebody that actually gets to see him on a day-to-day basis, he's an unbelievable leader. Uh, more than that, like he's the best listener that I've ever met in my life, which I think is an underrated trait. Like he's incredibly intelligent, uh, but he's willing to listen to like the opinions of anybody in the operation to change his mind. If we're able to clearly and concisely present reasons as to why we feel like it should be something, uh, something different. Like he's honest. You're never going to not know where you stand with the guy, like for better or worse, he's going to tell you the truth about where you are, where you stand. I know some people don't like that, uh, uh, but to me, like, I think that's a really good quality for him to have. Um, you know, to me, he's someone that's consistently put Virginia Tech in our program um, and its best interest first, no matter how difficult it's been at times. And there's been times over the course of the last four years where it's certainly been difficult, you know, where you've had stuff happening on social media where he hasn't been able to react publicly. Um, but there was never a time when anybody in our staff room or in the locker room or in the team room, in my opinion, that did not know uh, where he stood with them individually or did not know that he was putting the best interest of Virginia Tech first. So, you know, I could sit here and rave about the guy forever. Like, I, I'm unbelievably glad that he's at Virginia Tech, that he's our head coach. Like, he's somebody that gets this place. Like, he really does. And, and Bill, like, I know you can speak to it because you know him pretty well. He's incredibly approachable. Uh, he's a great father and family man. Like there's kids, the kids running around the office all the time. Uh, coaches wives up around the office all the time. Like you hear all these stories about cultures and environments where people are miserable to go there, uh, miserable to work there. Players are miserable to be a part of it. And it's not like that at all. So I don't know. Working for him and knowing all the information as to how certain situations have played out, like I've never questioned his intentions, and I'm really glad that he's he's our coach. So when he comes back um, from that trip, how did he ad- how did he address it with you guys, or how did he address it? What was that? I'm sure that was an emotional meeting. Yeah, well, he was he was honest about everything the entire way. I think one thing that maybe made it a little bit difficult was first and foremost, like stuff like that happens like very frequently all the time in college football. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the thing that was unique about the situation was that it became public, but coach was up front with us the entire time. Like we knew his intentions and I'm just telling you, we're going to have a significantly better, better thing going on here moving forward uh, because those people came to his house. Now he didn't go anywhere. Like the people came to his house and then, you know, he got right back to work the next morning. Like, that was it. It was pretty explicitly clear. It was like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. I'll be back in the morning. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Let's get back to work. And that was pretty much that. Like the guys on the team, no one was back yet, um, from break, which was kind of an unfortunate aspect of it. Like, what was he going to do? Send a group text out. (laughs) But, um, the team came back and in the very first team meeting, that's how he started the team meeting. He said, this is, you know, what the deal was, um, we're going to be significantly better as a program here moving forward. You guys' lives as Virginia Tech student-athletes will be better moving forward. We're going to win more games. Uh, we're going to make this place better. 
because of that meeting, let's rock. Like that was pretty much it. John, so first say, you know, I'm guilty of this. I think plenty of people are guilty of this. People love to speak on things that they don't know <laughs> crap about. Right. <laughs> um, and it's, it's gotten, it's, it's, it's gotten really, really bad recently. Twitter, hokey Twitter and, and, and social media in general is extreme. It is a toxic, toxic place. <laughs> And I kind of want to hear from the outside looking in, or I guess in this case, the inside looking out. What is your like? like what is your opinion of of Hokies on social media and Hokies on the Twitter sphere? Because I just I, I've always wondered that from you know being inside the program, how frustrating that must be. <laughs> Let's talk about it from a couple of perspectives. All right. First of all, let's talk about it from somebody who graduated from Virginia Tech, who grew up wanting to go to Virginia Tech his entire life, who all of his friends and all the people that he talks with and interacts with on social media, all are Virginia Tech fans. So every time we lose, it is brutal. Like it is absolutely brutal. Or anytime we lose a recruit, it is absolutely brutal. You know, sometimes it's warranted and valid. Like after the Duke game, now some of the stuff was just like it was heinous and ridiculous and stuff that should never be said. But yeah, nobody was happy after that. <laughs> like, yeah, I completely understand that. But it is a little weird when you go on Twitter and like this guy that you were friends with in college is tweeting at your boss and saying like, "You suck. I wish you never lived in Blacksburg. <laughs> like, you should go jump off a cliff. Like, that's that's like tough to read." right it's really tough to read um i think (laughs) i don't know man the other perspective of this is like the recruiting aspect of it right where just to be completely honest like we had two situations this past year where recruits explicitly referenced our fan base as reasons why they weren't committing to virginia tech like one kid we overcame it and he's committed to us and signed with us and one kid we were never able to get him back on campus. Like he came to a game and talked about how fans yelling into the onto the field, like about people. Uh, he didn't like that at all, and maybe that's an excuse. But then you know he's. Uh, I'm sitting in there, and you know when Coach Fuente is talking to recruits on the phone, I'm always sitting in there with him, taking notes on everything. And a kid explicitly said, like, Coach, I really like you. I really like the relationship that we have, but. Every time I go on social media, every time I go on the internet, I see all this stuff about how uh, you're going to get fired and how all the fans hate you. And, like, why would I want to go to Virginia Tech to play in a program where uh, I feel like there's instability? Like, I trust everything that you're telling me, and I really like our relationship, but it's just really hard. And so, like, hearing stuff like that, um, you know, it frustrates you, but it is what it is. Like, I understand people's frustrations when we lose. I understand people's frustrations when uh, things, when, when we lose recruits. Like, trust me, from my perspective, it feels just as bad, right? Like, feels worse, John. Let's just call a spade a spade. I'm sure it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, it is what it is. In the words of Seth Greenberg, you don't know what you don't know, and you can't make a chicken salad out of chicken shit. So Seth everybody, did say that. he did <laughs> say that. So and and like I said, I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. 
we comment on things we don't know about. So, kind of a, a, a little PSA here. You know, John, John's got to be delicate with how he words it, but I'll say it. Hey, everybody on Twitter, calm down. Kids read it. We said, <laughs> we said it a couple weeks ago. I mean, the kids read w- what is out there. It's, it, it, it's, it's a part of everything. When you're evaluating the school, you're evaluating, okay, the coaches are going to tell me this, the teachers are going to tell me this, the players are going to tell me this. What is everybody outside of the program saying? It all factors oh, into this decision-making process. All right, let me chime in on one thing real quick. Here's the, here's the person that I don't understand, right? I don't understand <laughs> – I'm going to tag twi- like recruits and players and tell them how good they are while also saying how shitty the coaches are, right? <laughs> so like here's what here's what I don't get, right? So I have not talked to Trey about this, but but he's the first one that comes to mind cuz he engages with people on social media, <laughs> right? You love it. Okay? Right? So yeah. so like think about this from from anyone like a rational person's perspective. Trey trusts Coach Fuente. They have a great relationship. He chose to come to school here. He chose to play for Coach Fuente. He chose to play for Coach Cornelson. He chose to play for Virginia Tech over a lot of options, okay, in this offense, at this university, for these coaches. And then people get on Twitter and go, hey, Trey, you're great. You're an awesome player. I'm not talking trash about you. I just think that you're an idiot for wanting to play for these coaches. It's basically the way that it comes off. Like, hey, all like the trust and respect that you're – earning or like the, the coaches are trying to earn the players trust and respect that like this is what we should be doing right and the fans are like hey player xyz you're really great but your coaches suck <laughs> so like you're basically telling the kid that his decision making process right. his thought process and the people that are trying to teach him and help him become the best that he can be all suck it just doesn't really make sense to me but it's absolutely and utterly ridiculous, as Billy would say. And it's funny because uh, Bill and I have kind of went back and forth about saying, like, hey, should we do a segment every episode saying, what were the three dumbest things we saw on Hokie Twitter this week? <laughs> should we just completely blast them out? Because, like, it, it might be worth doing because there are some absolute morons on that website. <laughs> absolute morons. Okay. But anyway. Sometimes it's really funny, though, I will say. Sometimes it's funny. Like... Like, like, like there, I think there's a difference. There's a difference between just being negative to be negative and then like being negative because you're frustrated or disappointed. Like, all right. All right. Uh, shout out Don V like Don V is a, he does not like coach Fuente, but he does not like coach Fuente. But I think that when he has negative things that he says, some instances, I don't agree, but in some instances, like he brings up really valid points. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, there's a difference between just spewing random stuff out there to be negative and being negative for negativity's sake and then actually having nuance to the discussion. Like, when things are going well, he talks positively. When things are going poorly, he talks negatively. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the sheer negativity for negativity's sake, which is just completely unnecessary. The star max prezes of the world, if we're putting ads out there, uh, just constant <laughs> negativity. Like, hey, uh, that's th- my thing with Don V has been like, hey, do I always agree with you? No. But you side on the, on the, you're always on the side of rationality for the most part. And like, you have a camp, you're committed to your camp, and I respect that. So, and, like and he's, he's hilarious. Just, <laughs> he's just, in my opinion, like, you should be willing to change your opinion based upon. The yes. facts that are presented to you at the time. Thank you. And there's been a lot of things presented to him uh, in other fans, and all fans, in the last few years that have led to them forming certain opinions. I think that there's context that goes into some of those things that is different and nobody will ever have access to, nor they should have access to, that would maybe change their minds 
in some circumstances, but it is what it is. Like it's it's Twitter. It's Twitter. Right. So what? So so what? So what's your message to to fans on Twitter, John? Like you know, from from someone in the department, you can be honest. What is your message to Hokies on Twitter who are negative, who really don't know anything? Uh, there's people giving their lives away, trying to put the best product on the field possible for Virginia Tech, sacrificing a lot. Uh, and all of us want the same thing. That's the bottom line. We all want the same thing, right? Straight up. We all want to win a national championship. I wouldn't be doing this. I would not be doing this if I did not think that we could someday win a national championship. Like, that's the truth. Why else would we be here? We wouldn't be doing the right. podcast. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, so like, exactly, exactly. Like, there's nobody you think happy we... with winning eight games. There's nobody happy with winning eight games. I think that there's, we could have a nuanced discussion about this without it just being like, oh, the expectations are now that we're going to win eight games. Like Nobody's walking into the season saying we're going to win eight games. Nobody's recruiting kids that we're saying is going to only win us eight games. <laughs> like, like <laughs> yeah. So, John... Tell us a little bit more about the evaluation that, uh, you know, the entire process. Um, when you first get in contact with these kids, when you invite them to camps, touch on the uh, the Texas to VT movement because <laughs> we really want to know about that. You know, what is that? on Twitter? What is going we on? see VA, we see VA to VT because some folks are super, super sensitive that Virginia is not getting recruited. But I say, hey. If they're in Texas and they want to come to Virginia Tech from Texas, Demetrius Davis, man, saddle up and let's go. Tell so, us about the uh, the whole process. So I wish I wish that I could talk about specific kids uh, in the 2021 class, but unfortunately, I'm not allowed to publicly talk about them. Sons uh, of compliance, right. I love that. Things, there's a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, shadow compliance. There's a lot of things <laughs> that you guys or you just asked me right there that I'll try and touch on without being long-winded. I know that I've been long-winded at a lot of these answers because I feel like I have a lot to say. We love like, the wind. I just love talking about this stuff. Anyways, uh, Texas to VT, shout out Bo. Like my guy, Bo. Bo, <laughs> all right, all right. So a little story time. Bo used to come into Mark's office. Mark has an office down the hall, kind of close to Coach Fuentes, where we have all our recruiting boards on there, right? And we have one for tw- we had one for 2020, 2021, 2022. And Mark and I are responsible for the boards. Like we go in there and, and and we determine where everybody is, who gets added, who gets taken off, all that stuff. Bo was the offensive QC for the last few years. And he would always walk out of the offensive staff room, walk into Mark's office, just look at us, grab the pen and write names on the board. All right. Like for a solid year, he would just come in and write names. And we'd be like, all right, Bo, who is this? He'd be like, the running back from Texas, and he walk out. You're like, we should be recruiting him. So we're like, all right, we're we're gonna go sign that guy. Yeah, we're gonna go sign him. Pull up his pull up his uh, information, and it's a dude that has like Alabama, Texas, Texas A&M already. We're like, all right, yep, we're gonna go do it. So Mark and I would always joke about it. We just would say, all right, man, we believe. Yeah, we believe. We're gonna go sign that guy. We believe. And so he just kept doing it. And he like to his credit, there was nobody. I don't think anybody that actually believed that he would make this into what it is. And like, he deserves the utmost credit because he's stuck to it. He believes in it and he works his freaking ass off. So yeah. So Bo's going to be working full-time and recruiting with us now, which is awesome. And he deserves a ton of the credit for this because he had belief in it before anybody else did. Uh, but also, you know, coach Cornelson, coach Lechtenberg, coach Fuente, 
Coach Shebest, a bunch of our coaches have a ton of ties to the state of Texas because they've recruited in the past. So we have relationships there that are kind of you know deep rooted. Bo went to Katie High School, um, coached at Howard Payne, coached or played at North Texas. Like it's just what he knows, um, and he knows it really, really well. So it's been awesome to see it to see it take off. It was awesome to see you know us get Alec and Robert, who, in my opinion, two of the better players that we signed in last year's recruiting class, um, that are going to be Hokies. And then you know we'll see we'll see where it goes. But uh, needless to say, I'm pretty excited about what it's uh, how it's helped us kickstart this 2021 class. Talking strictly about the state of Virginia. Um, I think 2021 in the state of Virginia is one of the best, if not the best, year in the state since I've been truly following recruiting. Uh, you look at the data sets from really 2011. So anytime that I talk about like the modern era of recruiting, I'm talking about from 2011 on. 2011 was the year 24-7 sports got created. Uh, it was really the year that the, the growth rate of users that were utilizing Twitter at 35 x so like that was really the modern era of recruiting to me is is 2011 on everything before 2011 there's a whole completely different world. So you look at the top 10 in the state of Virginia and I was actually just doing a study on this the other day. There has been a lot a lot of busts in the top 10 in the state of Virginia. I went through and calculated every single kid that was in the top 10 in the state of Virginia since 2011 that went out of state. So didn't sign with Virginia Tech or UVA. That ended up going to other places. And there was only 15 kids out of all those guys that I classified as guys that would have helped us win championships that we truly missed on. Um, 15 kids out of the course of the last 10 years that were rated in the top 10 in the state of Virginia. Now, with all that being said, I think the 2021 class is, is really special. Like, there's, there's high-end talent that is not just elite players, but they're elite people. Uh, with elite personalities and work ethics uh, that we point blank need to go sign. And we're doing everything in our power to try and sign those guys. But not just that, there's there's a lot of depth to the state too. Uh, but one thing that we're trying to do differently that I think uh, hurt us in the state of Virginia was the last few years, you would see a bunch of kids getting offers really, really early in the state, right? Like you guys saw it on Twitter. Kids would get their first offer from Virginia Tech when they were freshmen and then, you know, next thing you know, they're signing with Liberty or they're signing with William & Mary. Um, what we're going to do moving forward, which you'll see, you know, for the rest of this class and then into the years, uh, years down the road, um, you know, if a kid gets an offer in the state of Virginia, that's going to be committable. Like, we feel like they can help us win um, and play for us. I think that's one thing we got away from. I think, in a sense, our offer in the state of Virginia – maybe got watered down a little bit. Um, and I don't want, and we don't want anybody in the state of Virginia that has an offer from Virginia tech to not be able to commit to Virginia tech to commit to that offer. Uh, so that's one thing that just from a strategic standpoint that you're going to see us shift to moving forward. And maybe we're not the first to offer some kids, but when a kid has an offer from Virginia tech, he's going to know that we're going to be going full speed ahead on him. Mm -hmm. well, uh, was there one more thing? I feel like one more thing you asked that I wanted to touch on Yeah, is my guy, Lino. I got to shout out my guy, Lino, because Lino, I mean, the guy's a stud, like a complete stud. This kid, <laughs> he went to Pitt. His dad is a, is a donor at Pitt. 
went to Pitt and just loved working with Mark and Zach Lance so much that when they both came over to Tech, like he actually stopped going to school to move down here to work at Virginia Tech and take online classes as a volunteer wow. while he's while he's working for us, you know, at Virginia Tech. He works hours like he's a full-time employee while being unpaid, entirely unpaid. And I, and I guess it was mid-January, just to kind of tell you about like how good Lino is at his job. Mid-January, early January, all these people start tweeting out Florida to VT, right? Like they start tweeting out graphics. And on the message boards, people are going like, is this a marketing ploy? Like, what's going on? Uh, what's this Florida to VT? That was literally just Lino talking to kids. And the kids like Lino so much, they were just posting Florida to VT and like tweeting it out there. And Lino's going to get all these kids on campus, help us get all these kids on campus um, because of how hard he works, uh, because of how good of a job he does, because of how relatable he is to kids. He makes about 90% of our personalized graphics. Like Zach Lance is an unreal graphic designer, the best in the country. And he makes the majority of the graphics that go out on our social. And he makes some of the very particular personalized graphics. But the more, uh, the more like generic uh, mass personalized edits, Lino makes all of those. And he does a freaking unreal job. So I got to shout out Lino. He just got a grill that says Florida to VT on it. And it actually just came in the other day. So it's like a competition between Lino and Bo, Florida to VT and Texas to VT, just because Lino likes Florida boys. But Lino, <laughs> so who- Lino's got a very bright future, like very, very bright future in uh, in this business. So who on the staff came up with the hard hat mentality for 2021? Was uh, that, that, was, like- that, was, that was Mark and I. Um, so we have been looking for a hashtag that could kind of be synonymous with our brand what we want our brand to be but also that could transcend year right so you had exit light 18 like sandman 17 uh internet 19 but that was there's no real consistency in the virginia tech brand in those hashtags right and we didn't want to just rush anything so we didn't have a class of 2020 hashtag for a long period of time and we talked about it but we never came up with something that we fell in love with until we came up with hard hat. Like I see um, we are is always Penn State. Whenever you see we are, you associate it with Penn State. Whenever you see all in, you associate it with Clemson. Built by Bama. Um, yeah, like you, OU DNA. Like it's mm-hmm. consistent across all the recruiting classes. And we wanted something that was going to be able to be consistent across all mm-hmm. our recruiting classes moving forward. Um, so it's pretty cool. Like we got some, we got some pretty cool stuff uh, that we're going to do with it moving into the future. Uh, but that's the kind of kid that we want. Like we want kids that are attracted to our culture, to what Virginia tech is. We're not glitz and glam and flash. We're not multimillion dollar facilities and waterfalls in the building. Like we are wake up every day, bring your lunch pail to work or yeah. And, and go to work, like get to work. Like we are grit. We are earn everything. Nothing's given to you. We are, we're going to punch you in the mouth. At least that's what we want to be. Maybe we weren't that uh, two years ago at different times, but that's what we intend on being. That's what Virginia Tech's always been. It's like those are the kind of kids that that we want, guys that are attracted to hard hat mentality, guys that are attracted to those qualities. And if they're not attracted to those qualities, they probably weren't going to have success at Virginia Tech anyways, and we'll go find people that that are. And going off the hard hat mentality, um, because we've been seeing it a lot over the last couple weeks uh, on social media with tap and tier link TNT as well, you know, we've been seeing like the, uh, the homemade gifts and, <laughs> I mean, it's been hilarious. Talk about uh, Daryl Tapp and Bill Tierlink and how they've been, uh, you know, recruiting so far. They're awesome. Oh man, they're awesome. Like Bill is this <laughs> really short, 
white dude, right? <laughs> that is like that that is just this electric personality. He's like goofy and super intelligent. And when you hear him talk about defensive line play, like it's mesmerizing. Like it's truly mesmerizing. And then Daryl has got this unbelievably bubbly personality. Like he's just such a great guy. Like what you see is what you get. Like the other day at our elite junior day, we do this thing called YVT and he stands up to go do his YVT and he gets everybody in the room up to do a let's go Hokies chant. Like that's just who he is. And you can see very, very, very quickly that kids are connecting with both of them. Um, it's a really good balance in personality. I think uh, between those, like like our whole entire defensive staff, like I really want to just from a broad perspective, our defensive staff, I'm willing to say there will be three or four kids that will sign in this 2021 recruiting class that you'll say, oh, man, we, we wouldn't have signed those guys uh, in the past. And I think it will be due to uh, – Due to those new, new those new guys we have over there, that's awesome. And can you can you weigh in on um, so when you go into this evaluating process? So you have a recruit. I noticed that you started this this scout school right with uh, with oh, di- yeah. with different students and different um, that were working there. What were you teaching them? Like, what is essentially a recruit comes in? You need to evaluate them on film. What are you looking at from their huddle? What their coaches say about them? What are the buzzwords, buzz characteristics, or qualities that you look for in someone that's going to match that hard hat mentality? So it was an idea that Mark had come up with and been wanting to do for a while, and. When we were at the personnel convention this past year, he was able to kind of hear about how some other programs were kind of doing this. Uh, Mark did an internship with the Pittsburgh Steelers a couple years ago. And throughout that process, he took a ton of notes, but he was able to essentially get the evaluation system for how they grade draft prospects, right? And he's transitioned that information into our evaluation grading system that we have, where essentially every position has critical factors is what we call them, but different traits um, that we were able to grade them on uh, four being excellent 3.5 and on down one uh, being like a a reject by our standards. Um, And so we grade these kids on character traits uh, and also physical traits. And essentially what scout school was is our student workers. We offered it up to any of them that wanted to come. Uh, nine of them came and they came every single Tuesday night. We did it from seven to 10, sometimes 11, three or four hours where we sat and every night we taught them a position. Uh, so Mark was leading the whole thing and he did a freaking unreal job. And he basically sat every Tuesday night and taught the kids how to evaluate quarterbacks, how to evaluate running backs, how to evaluate wide receivers off of our grading scale, how the NFL does it, how we want to do it. Uh, he taught them all how to break down and cut up film. Um, so one thing, we were the last school to have access to Huddle. Like, we were the last Power 5 school to purchase what? Huddle. Uh, we Yeah, so we got Huddle a year and a half ago when Mark got here. When Mark got here, we did not have Huddle. We had no recruiting services. We were the only Power 5 school in the country that had no recruiting services when Mark got here in you know july of 2018 so can you say can you say that can you say that one more time because i I think that this kind of gets lost in the shuffle for how much of a transition and how much has had to happen over the last you know a thousand days we didn't have really like a year and a half it's been a year and a half man like so much has happened in the last year and a half that has pushed forward our infrastructure really with mark spearheading all of that but yes we did not have huddle for the we were the last school to get huddled and mark always likes to tell the story of the first day that he was there uh i was putting on the film we were watching film as a staff 
uh, and we were watching 30 seconds worth of commercials for every kid that we watched because we didn't have Huddle. Oh, my, so, my goodness. Um, and, and, yeah, and I'm going to say that's not because we didn't want to have Huddle. We just didn't have Huddle. But we, we got Huddle, and so now what Huddle gives us access to do is you can watch every kid's individual games. Uh, you can break down all their individual games and watch what's really going on and not just what the kid wants to show you. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we, we use Huddle and we, we watch kids full games and we'll cut them up and make our own highlight tapes, good plays, bad plays that we can then go present to the coaches. Uh, we've actually signed a couple kids off of those hit tapes, like kids that we were able to either uh, prove that we did not want them or prove that we did want them based on watching their individual game films. So I think you'll see us continuing to make better decisions on all these kids just because of, you know, little things like that. But anyways, we taught the kids how to break down film on huddle. We taught, we taught the kids how to utilize the new recruiting services that we have. Um, we now subscribe to Exos, UC Report, and Zcruit, which are all, uh, they're all recruiting services that most teams have been subscribed to for a while. We all got them relatively recently. Like we were the last school to get UC Report also. Essentially what, UC Report does is it gives you access to all the camp footage of all of these kids when they go to the Under Armour camps, they go to the Nike camps. You get all their times from those camps and all their verified heights and weights and all the camp footage. Mm -hmm. So what people don't see that just look at the 24-7 sports profile is that a lot of these kids, they lie about their height and weight, right? So I'll give you an example. There's a kid this past year that we recruited that listed himself at 5'10", 180 pounds. He showed up on our campus and he was 5'7", 156 pounds, okay? So that's a completely drastic difference. And a 5'10", 180-pound kid with the film that he had might be an offer. A 5'7", 156-pound kid with the film that he had is in no way, shape, or form an offer, right? So UC Report gives us access to all those verified heights and weights, camp times. Uh, we taught the kids how to utilize that, how to go into our database. And you can also help find players uh, from that from that um, recruiting service. And then Zcruit. Uh, is this thing that's really cool. Uh, every single morning I get an email at 7 o'clock in the morning that says these are all the kids in your desired recruiting region that got an offer. If you want it to be just ACC schools in the state of Virginia, every kid in the state of Virginia that gets an offer from an ACC school, that gets sent to my inbox at 7 a.m. from the day before. Like hmm. every single kid. And so you can make that as broad or as you know shallow as you want it to be. And that's something that we just got really recently. So we were teaching the kids how to utilize Zcruit. We were teaching the kids how to utilize UC Report. We were teaching the kids how to utilize Huddle. To now, just this past week, um, we feel comfortable enough with all nine of those guys that we're going to assign them to us, to like the guys that are working full-time in recruiting um, that have assigned assistant coaches. So they're going to start helping us mine the areas of all these assistant coaches uh, to just be another name, another person that's helping dig up prospects uh, for us to find them faster, for us to find them earlier. Um, so those nine guys, I mean, they're freaking awesome. Like Austin Swearingen and Jack Pollard, uh, Jack Tillinghast, Adam Fireball, Josh Anderson, Jonathan Haderer, um, Dan Franco, who's a full-time volunteer for us, who's just, he's awesome. He's 25. He's a Virginia Tech graduate. He moved down from Pittsburgh. He full-time volunteers with us. Also does stuff similar to Lino. Uh, Tanner Holland. And then there's one more that I'm forgetting that I can't remember right now, which makes me feel really bad, but. Oh, my God, Bowman. I forgot my guy, Bowman. That's who I forgot. That was my <laughs> Bowman's awesome. Bowman is so awesome. I'll just I'll tell a quick story on Bowman real quick because uh, I okay. love him. He's great. Okay. We're, we have – so on our huddle page, like, we have all the Virginia Tech coaches can tag players that they want to specifically be breaking down. 
film of, right? And all of us have access to it and all of us can see it. And this random, random kid shows up on our huddle page like a week into the semester last year, right? It's this guy who's like four, five foot seven. He's this dude from up in Northern Virginia that is like a 2020 kid. And we're like, who is this? Like who tagged this guy? And uh, my guy Bowman had tagged him and he knew him. He was like, this guy would be a really good player for us. And we evaluated him and we're still kind of talking to him as maybe being a walk-on, but he ended up going and signing, I believe, with the Division II school. Um, but I feel bad that I forgot Bowman, so shout out my guy Bowman. He's, oh, man. he's got a good in this. Um, there's nine guys that they basically just – we've taught them now how to utilize these databases and these systems to the point where they're going to actually help us moving forward That's and really awesome. start finding players. So pretty cool. Trying to develop a pipeline. That was ultimately Mark's uh, overall goal with this was – to create and develop a young pipeline full of kids that care and love Virginia Tech to help kind of boost that minor league system in a sense and give us more people that we trust to help us evaluate film and find players. All right, so I got a question. Um, <laughs> all right, what, uh, J- John, when you when you have these recruits on campus outside of football facilities, what is your go-to selling point at Virginia Tech, like give give me like two of them. What do you really try and sell kids on uh, outside of the facility perspective of Virginia Tech football? Right. Well, first and foremost, it ultimately depends on the kid and figuring out what's important of to the kid. Of um, course. But I think the thing we first try and sell is the guys on our team. Like we try and get these kids around the guys on our team as much as humanly possible because we want the guys on our team to one be the best recruiters for us. Like they're the people that are going to set the tone for our culture. They're the people that are going to set the tone for the type of team and program that we have moving forward. And we want to know, first of all, do they fit in together? Like, does the recruit fit with our guys and do our guys like the recruit? And there's been kids that we have taken off our board after they've been on campus that people want us to sign and think that we're recruiting hard, that we're no longer recruiting hard because there are guys on our team, guys on our leadership council, guys that we trust that will tell us stories and give us examples of, you know, kids that just don't fit what we're trying to do so first and foremost i think it's the guys on the team and then secondly like you're saying outside of the facilities like the game day environment here is just top notch right like it's competitive nationally with anybody uh academically especially kids that want to study business you know shout out pamplin i'm a little biased because i graduated from pamplin um but we have over 30 guys on our team that are studying to earn their degree in business and you look around the country and there's not very many uh, other programs that the, that can point to even half or a percentage of of that uh, at a legitimate, reputable business school. Um, so you know, it's academics figuring out what the kid wants to study. It's getting them around our guys. It's it's our game day atmosphere. We want kids to come to games as much as possible. And ultimately, like Virginia Tech, the environment here sells itself the more that you're around it. Like I always like to say, the more that you're here, the less you want to leave. Right? Mm-hmm. You guys all feel it. You yep, say of course. Come into town, of course, like, man. Oh man, I can't wait. It just feels so good to be back in Blacksburg, right? The kids that choose to come here, no matter how highly recruited or lowly recruited they are, ultimately fall in love with Blacksburg and Virginia Tech, in my opinion. And so, the more that we can get kids on campus, the more that we can get them around this environment as a whole, because Virginia Tech is different, right? And the first time a kid comes on campus, it's hard to explain it to the kid, right? You say, "Man, it's just..." The feeling here is different. The feeling here that you get is different. But the more and more they keep coming back, uh, the more and more they get to experience it and live it. You know, there is good, genuine people that are attracted to Virginia Tech and that are involved with Virginia Tech. They go to school at Virginia Tech. Um, And so to me, like, 
you know, <laughs> you go to any airport across the country, you go to really any big city, and you're going to run into somebody wearing Virginia Tech gear. There's just a special tie that those of us who graduate from here feel to this school. Um, and the more we're able to sell that feeling and um, Virginia Tech as a whole and what our community really is, like I think that that's a, a huge selling point for us that, that nobody else has. Uh, I mean, nobody has that. Nobody has oh, that uh, a connection with their, their university uh, like we do. Like We've been ranked consistently in the top three in quality of life uh, and also students that are happiest with their experience at Virginia Tech or at their school and students that would most likely go back to the same school that they attended in college and do it again. Like all three of those metrics were consistently in the 99th percentile of all of them. And so selling all three of those, which is life outside of football, um, I think that's huge because ultimately you only run out of the tunnel to enter Sandman six times every year, mm -hmm. right? You work all that, all those days, all those hours to play a guaranteed 12 games and hopefully up to 15 games, but you still have 350 other days during the year. We have to be happy that you chose to go to this school. Virginia Tech is top of the charts in all of those 350 other days. Stamp. I couldn't stamp that hard enough. John, one more question for you before we jump into uh, Letters of the Lunch Pale. Also, just want to thank you because you've been so great this far with your just in-depth answers and everything. Um, I guess this is a two-part question, but what has been – First off, the most fulfilling moment or time uh, working for the Virginia Tech Athletic Department, and what has been the most trying time, uh, a time that you found very, very difficult or challenged you the most, where you almost said, screw this, I'm out of here. Um, yeah. Well. Tough question. I feel like, let's start with the negative, because I always like to end on positive. Love yeah, that. yeah, of course. Um, First of all, I would say there's definitely certain times throughout the year. Like the month of December is absolutely brutal. The first 15 days, there's times in the month of December where I'm like sitting there by myself late at night or I'm in Mark's office and we're just sitting there and it's like two, three in the morning and we know that we have to be up at six and we've been working, doing the exact same schedule for like the entire week. And we're like, what in the hell are we doing with our lives like that? That's pretty trying. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but the worst times like last year after we lost to Miami uh, two years ago, 2018, that was, that was pretty tough. You guys all know Courtney. I was sitting with Courtney and I was just like, man, this is, this is tough. This like, is not you fun. put so much effort into it. Um, you work so hard. Yeah. And then you get so excited about every, every single time we take the field and, Shoot, we were in the stretch right there where we got our brains beat in by Georgia Tech. We go to play Pitt. We get our brains beat in by Pitt. Then we come home. We're playing Miami. We're playing them tough in the beginning of the game. Like I was there, yeah. Like we were playing well, and all of a sudden, like a switch flipped, and we just got our, our asses kicked again. That was really tough, and you're looking at it staring. You're at four and six, and you're going <laughs> – we're, are we not going to make a bowl? Like, this is really, really hard. Then this year, uh, halftime of the Furman game wasn't fun. Uh, the, Duke game, oh, no. the Duke game wasn't fun at all. Uh, I would say that was the lowest overall was after the Duke game. Um, but ultimately, like, what are you going to do? Like, you pull up your pants and you go back to work, right? Like, it is really hard to recruit after you lose 45 to 10. Let me just say that, okay? Like, it's really hard <laughs> to turn around to a kid 
that has legitimate options and you're battling like Clemson and Alabama and you just got your ass kicked 45 to 10. You went six and seven the year before. You're two and two. And you're like, yeah, baby, the Hokies, come on now. <laughs> like, hey, we're going to go play for the Natty next year. Like, it's really hard to, like, in that moment to, to sell that, mm-hmm. right? That was pretty low. Um, but best moments, there's been a lot of really, really, really good moments, a lot of them. Like, I leave the office and walk into my office every single day and pinch myself and say, um, there's all there's what seven billion people in the world. Uh, I grew up rooting for Virginia Tech my whole entire life, um, going to games every Saturday with my dad, uh, following this team, uh, following this program, like not loving anything else in the world more than I love Virginia Tech football. And every single day, I get to impact the future of Virginia Tech football. Like I've been fortunate enough and worked my ass off, like. I will say, like, I've worked my ass off to put myself in this position, earned people's trust, and continued to just take advantage of every opportunity that I had. Um, but ultimately, I consider myself to be so incredibly lucky to get to be in the position that I'm in, to see these kids from the beginning of the process all the way through, uh, to get to stand on the sidelines, to get to run out of the tunnel, to get to say that I worked for Virginia Tech football. I was born on October 1st, the same day that Virginia Tech was founded, October 1st, 1872. I was 1992, so 120 years after Virginia Tech was founded. And I say, if we sat and talked about all the crazy, fortuitous things that have had to happen to put me in the position that I'm in right now, like I really feel like it's my destiny. And it sounds cheesy saying it, but I feel like it's my destiny to help lead Virginia Tech to its first ever national championship. And I've worked by that and like said that to myself through all the downtimes and through all the good times of like I'm where I'm supposed to be um, and I'm incredibly lucky but the one moment that stands out in my mind I became really close with Doug Nestor and his family throughout the whole recruiting process um, on his official visit um, his little nephews <laughs> Coop and Isaiah they were hanging around and I mean he had a bunch of family hanging out with us that weekend and I became I became just like really close with them. They came to the West the William and Mary game earlier in the season, and I had basically spent the whole morning pregame before uh, the game with the Nesters. With his, it was his dad's first ever time on campus. It was kind of like a secret visit that he had taken, but I basically just I was with him the whole time, and so we became really close. Um, and then when he committed to us, I was in Castle shooting hoops with his nephew Isaiah. Um, and Isaiah is like a big basketball player, big AU basketball player in West Virginia. He's like he's like ten. Um, <laughs> but we were shooting hoops, and I've been hanging out with him pretty much the whole weekend. And these people, they, they like Mark and uh, Doug's mom, like they come running into the gym to come grab me. And I go walk back to Coach Fuente's office, and they were like, Doug has something that he wants to tell you guys, and he wanted to make sure that you were in here for this moment. Um, and then he committed to us when it was me, Coach Fuente, and Coach Vice in, in Coach Fuente's office. Uh, and obviously that was, you know, that was a pretty <laughs> – Doug's an unbelievable player, was an unbelievable prospect, and not just that, he's an unbelievable kid with unbelievable parents and a great support system and a great family that i become really close to. And for them to want to include me in that moment – awesome. uh, that was uh, that was really cool. I'll never forget that. I'll, I'll never forget that. 
That's awesome. Thanks for a hundred percent. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that, John. And we're going to dive into, uh, on the home stretcher. We're going to dive into the, uh, letters from the lunch pail here. Uh, first question from last week, uh, requested by John to be answered here. Uh, yeah, Grant Watson. I have a great answer for this. I okay. Have a great answer for this. Who is the most underappreciated hockey football player of all time? That's it. Uh, the, he fluffed it up a little bit. A guy who might have gotten the hype of a quarter, quarterback, wide receiver, running back. I would have to go with Cody Grimm. That guy was a all caps W dog. I would love to hear some opinions. You guys go first because I don't want I, like I don't think you guys are going to steal my answer, but I think I have the right answer to this question. And I'll I'll, I'll put the uh, little disclaimer that I'm saying since 2000 because I was okay. only like eight years old in 2000. So I, anything before Michael Vick is a little hazy for me. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna actually have an A and B. Cam and Orion Martin were both guys who anchored stud defenses in like 2007, 2008. <laughs> That no one really ever talks about anymore. You know, people talk about James Gale and Jason Worlds on the D line, and then they talk about Vince Hall and Xavier DB uh, in the linebacking core. But Cam Martin and Orion Martin, uh, I think, are two underrated uh, Hokies that anchored the defense. Grayson, man, I mean this this question is tough, Grant. It could be so many people, but. I think somebody who is very frequently forgotten about who was an absolute freaking bull stud and to this day will always be one of my favorite Virginia Tech players of all time is Chris Ellis. Uh, I, I think he was in, you know, when he was playing for Virginia Tech, he was an integral part of the 2007 defense, but you never hear his name come up anymore. He, it has almost just kind of been lost with time. Like you still hear about Vince Hall and Xavier DB. You still hear about Macho Harris and Brandon Flowers, but nobody, I mean, nobody Pat, like our age or, or John, like your friends, nobody talks mm. about Chris yeah, Ellis, yeah. uh, the cool. way that, uh, the way that they speak about though, anybody else on those Oh seven or Oh six Oh seven defenses. So Do you guys remember when Chris Ellis was talking shit to Jamil Sewell after he yes. was up on the sidelines, he was clapping baby. Like that was, that was, we're going to walk on the field and we're going to beat your ass up and down the field every single weekend like that. Ooh. Oh man. I'm, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that Matt Ryan still has nightmares about Chris Ellis uh, it, it after bring up Matt Ryan Grayson, what the hell? Yeah, we're hey, hey, we're, we're talking. <laughs> listen, listen, we're talking about the ACC championship, dog. Okay, we're talking about you the can't AC- say that Matt Matt Ryan still gives me nightmares. Well, <laughs> all right, that's touche, touche. Uh, but we we got him twice when it counted. So right, that is that is true. This so question. This question is difficult for me. You guys are obviously much more well versed in in hokey history than I am, so I'm just going to speak to 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 just strictly teammates and a guy that you know. I'm this goofy kid from New Jersey who wore SpongeBob pajamas and pink headphones the whole first year that I was at at Tech. Which, by the way, I do not advise. Um, he kind of took me under his wing. He was a great player and 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 kind of really showed me the ropes and and played a huge part in 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 making me the man that I am. Uh, was Ryan Malik. I absolutely love Ryan Malik. Um, when we talk about the last couple Beamer years, we talk about Luther, we talk about 
uh, Kai Sean, which were all great. But from uh, from my from from my experience being around Malik, just the kind of leader that he was and the mentality that he had, and I believe he's working at uh, J.P. Morgan now in New York City, so he's being successful up north as well. So another New Jersey guy from the shore around Asbury Park. I just want to shout out Ryan Malik. I think he's uh, Point Pleasant. That's right. So shout out Ryan Malik. That's a good one too. All right. The right answer to this question that <laughs> nobody ever talks about this guy, but he was a stud. Nobody ever talks about him. Eric Green. Yeah. I knew player. you were going to say the that. Football playing I knew it. Let's talk about three things. First of all, because I do this, sometimes I don't know why. Like, I just like to make myself feel bad. I'll watch old games when we lost. And for some reason, it motivates me, like, just around the office. The other day, I'm watching the USC game in 2004. First play of the game, Eric Green is, like, knocking dudes' heads off. He's making plays all over the field, like, talking trash. But you think back, two of the most memorable plays in Virginia Tech history since 2000. The punt block against Miami in 2001, like, that was him. He blocked the punt against Miami in 2001 when we almost tied the game. Uh on the ensuing two-point conversion. And then in 2003, he had the pick six against Miami when they came in there with their big winning streak. They came in the lane, and we beat them. He had the long pick six to seal the game kind of at the end of the game against, I believe it was Brock Berlin. Like, Eric Green, then he played He played five years in the NFL. Like, he was a third-round pick, played five years in the league, started a bunch of games. He was a dog. And nobody talks about him ever. We bring up all the DBs that have played here that have done really well, and understandably so. But the dude just played – from 2005 to 2009 in the NFL, had a bunch of huge plays when he was here, and nobody ever talks about him. So Eric Green, the right answer. That's very true. Excellent answer. Very true. Man. Next question comes from Karsten. 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 Let's freaking go. Karsten wants to know, who was your favorite recruit to dissect and or watch film on? Uh, so who was the... Who was the freak, the now Hokie or, f- or former Hokie that was just jumped off the screen at you? Uh, all right, I'll give two. Um, the first one that jumps out to me is Trey Turner. Like, I just, I love Trey, Trey Turner in high school. Knew that guy was going to be a stud. Yeah, knew it. Uh, I love Tavion Robinson, too. Like, he was another guy that yeah, I like watching he's... receivers. Like, you'll notice a theme that I like watching receivers. Like, Trey, Tavion, and now this past class, like, uh, I had a big hand in, in Dalen Wright um, finding his film and like passing that up the chain. And so that's my common theme of my favorite position to evaluate. But uh, a cool story, I, I guess, with that would be Josh Fuga. Like talking about earlier in the podcast about Huddle and having access to watch full player games and stuff. It was late in the recruiting cycle last year before the early signing period. We decided we wanted to take another defensive tackle. Um, and... I had kind of, well, I guess I shouldn't say we wanted to. We would if there was one available that we felt like was good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had kind of stumbled again on Josh's film, and he'd been having a big-time senior year. And Josh had come to camp two years before, and coach, uh, some of our coaches had thought maybe he was going to be an offensive lineman eventually. Um, wasn't sure uh, what his fit would be. Uh, and I kind of brought him back up to the staff, and before I did, I had gone through and watched every single one of his games so that I had as much detailed information as possible to kind of pitch him as like, this is the guy we need, we need to sign. Uh, and so I went through and, and Matt Transu helped me with this too. And we, we cut up every single game that, that he had played. And we noticed a couple of things that one, he was playing both sides of the ball, almost every single snap, uh, which is incredibly impressive. 
two, he took no plays off ever, like in terms of effort. He always was firing off the ball. Uh, and three, other than in one instance, the entire season, he never got pushed off the ball. Like ne- never one time. In 10 games throughout the entire course of the regular season, he never one time, like, excuse me, other than one time, got pushed off the line of scrimmage, which I thought was really impressive. So that kind of kick-started the process, which then led to us finding out about, you know, more about him and his grades and his background and um, ended up with us offering him and bringing him on an official visit and, and him committing. So, Next question. Great answer, John. Uh, from John Cranham, what two players, one on offense – one on defense are names that we may not know, and you predict a massive season out of this upcoming year. Uh, offense, Nick Gallo, defense, Amari Barno. Ooh, yes, Barno. <laughs> I really want to see that guy on the field. Let's go. Barno. <laughs> I'll just I'll leave it at, I'll leave it at that. Last question from Randito, uh, a Wimb- a Wimbish family, uh, head of the Wimbish family here. Question for your the guest. Patriarch, man. The matriarch. <laughs> Question for your guest, semicolon. If you could have been if you could have one thing, regardless of expense, to improve Virginia Tech's ability to land top recruits, what would that be? Excellent question. So- Solid question, Pops. Good Shut job. Up. Also, why did, why did he say question for your guest? Dad, you knew that John Yetzi was coming on to the podcast this week. <laughs> just just say that. It's not like our parents have been friends for like decades or anything like that. Literally since college. It's not like they tailgate next to each other at every uh, single home game. Not at all. We should could be there for those, man. A great but tailgate, you, by the way. A great tailgate environment. Yeah. Shout, out, shout out, Randy. Uh, I will say, people. All right, here, here's all recruiting is to me, right? It's, it's information and it's relationships, right? And what can additional people do? Um, it can help you gather more information about the kid that you're recruiting, which whether that's, is he good enough to play here? Yes or no. Is he the right kind of kid? Yes or no. What is important in this kid's recruiting process? Um, what is it going to take to actually sign this kid? So the more people that you have, uh, the more kids that you're able to find and the more detailed information you're able to gather. That's number one. And two, uh, recruiting takes a village. Like I really believe that. Um, Ryan Smith actually said that the other day, and it's really resonated ever since he said that to me. Um, that's the way that a lot of these other programs approach recruiting, understandably so. That's the way that we want to approach recruiting when we're able to, understandably so. Um, it doesn't matter who it is that makes the connection with the recruit. The more people that you throw at recruits, the better chance there is that one of them is going to make a connection with that kid and his family that's going to help you sign that prospect. Um, So, you know, the more people that we have, the more diverse we'll be able to be within our recruiting department, which is something that I think we really need to improve and are planning on hopefully improving in the near future. Um, And I just think that, you know, the more people that are able to, converse and communicate and and interact with these kids when they come on their visits, the better chance there is that we're able to find out and then hit on exactly what it's going to take to sign those guys. John, we can't thank you enough. This has been, this has been awesome. Um, as we do for every guest and hopefully we can do this again. This has been seriously, this has been some extremely awesome insight that, um, you know, Grayson, Pat and I have always said that a big reason we started this was, trying to just bring uh, different perspectives and, and, and information that 
um, is accurate. And again, it's not always going to be overwhelmingly positive and it's, we're never going to be overwhelmingly negative. We just try to get some more insight and more people talking about what it's actually like and what we actually see and what we actually want to see change and get better. So to have an opportunity to speak to someone that works directly with the athletic department, we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your Sunday night um, to to do that. And I think this is uh, extremely insightful and, and, and just great all around. So can't thank you enough from that perspective. Um, and also just want to ask you any shout outs, any last words, any, anything you got to plug anything going on? What's, uh, what do we got? Shout out my mom and dad, first of all, uh, for driving me to all those games and getting me tickets, uh, all those years. I'm glad I've been able to pay them back a little bit recently, but, um, they're the ones who made me a Virginia tech fan. They made my blood run orange and maroon. And, uh, a lot of my favorite memories, uh, growing up revolve around, us driving down to Blacksburg and spending time together. So first and foremost, shout out to them. Yeah. Quick shout out to my girlfriend, Courtney Adams. Hey, yo. You guys are all friends with her, but uh, she's awesome. A huge Virginia Tech fan in her own right and has been incredibly instrumental in helping me get through the tough times throughout the course of the last few years. Incredibly understanding and supportive with the schedule that I have to work sometimes. She's down at Clemson right now. Uh, She just finished working the basketball game a couple hours ago. Um, so shout out to her. She's the best. Uh, I want to shout out a couple other people that Bill, we worked with in the recruiting department behind the scenes, some students that have now moved on that never got their due that contributed significantly on game days and different things like that. My boy, Evan Morrison, Evan, shout out the goat, shout out Evan, uh, like my little brother, uh, worked for two years with us, did an awesome job. Shout out Walt, Justin Waite. He was one of the few uh, guys that worked with us back in the day, Um, really kind of an OG recruiting staff member uh, that has since moved on and now is doing other things. Uh, Shout out to Logan, Aaron, Catalina. They all did an awesome job back in the back. Shout out Grayson. She did an awesome job back in the back. Mm -hmm. And then all the girls that we have working with us right now. Yeah, not you, Grayson Wimbish. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out my guy. Shout out my guy, Oscar E. as well. Oscar Esquivel. Oscar is still at Army, I think. Is he? Okay. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Doing big things. And then um, the girls that we have back in the office right now are doing a freaking awesome job for us. Um, Katie Adams. Shout out. Katie. Um, Maddie Harris, Maddie Greenwood, uh, Hannah, Amanda, uh, Aaron, Annalyn, Grayson, Libby, and Abby. They do an awesome job for us. Uh, Help us on game days, give up a lot of time on their weekends and with the uh, different junior days and elite days and events that we have, they could be spending that time with their friends. They could be spending that time tailgating, uh, but instead they're giving up their time um, for the most part for free to help Virginia tech try and sign great players and win football games. So shout out to all of them. Absolutely. Closing thoughts. Anybody else got anything? We seriously, John, we can't thank you enough for this. We had a, we had a a great time doing this. So really uh, can't thank you enough. Boys, I'm happy for you guys. You guys are killing it, doing great things. Um, glad I was able to come on. You know, it's just going to be the first of many. We'll be back at this Woo! sometime soon. I was about to say, man, this is not the last time. Like, there, this is the first of many. Um, and hey, we cannot thank you enough. We're going to be good next season, boys. I'm, I'm here <laughs> hey, for you, it. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm here for it. And, John, you, you saw that really little good. promo. You saw that little promo that – I cut over there at the Rose Bowl, man. Who's to say that we couldn't be playing in that Who's thing come next? That's uh, the goal, right? That's the goal. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. When we line up against Liberty on September 5th or whatever day it is, I will believe with all my heart 
that we're going to go 15 and 0. So I hope you guys all believe too, because that's what it's going to have to take. We're right there you with you. Yeah, I, you gotta believe. That's what. That's gotta believe. Gotta believe. We need some more of the Texas boys to make their way down too. So appreciate appreciate you, John. We'll talk to you soon, and um, everybody else will probably be having a. Shorter episode coming in the middle of the week. We got to talk lacrosse. We got to talk wrestling. We got to talk baseball is coming up. A lot of awesome stuff going on, but wanted to give uh, as much time as we could to this awesome interview. So we will talk to you soon. See you, fellas.